Hello, my name is Jacob Schondel. I am the Webmaster and Media and Technology Committee Chair for Shepherd of the Valley, and you are listening to the ShepherdCast, the weekly podcast from Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Sandyville, Ohio. Each week, we bring you our weekly sermon in audio form, as well as our weekly Bible readings. We thank you for joining us for worship, as even though you may not have been able to join us on Sunday morning, we are glad to have you with us through this podcast. Now, if you like what you hear, and you're able, and you live in the Northeast Ohio area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. You can learn more about our worship experience at sotvchurch.com slash worship. In case you're curious what the readings are for this Sunday, or you would like to follow along in your Bible, we will be taking a look at the readings listed in our show notes for today's episode. Also, when we read our readings, those come out of the NRSV translation of the Bible. So, without further ado, here's this week's readings read by our lay reader, followed by the Gospel and Sermon by the Rev. Scott J. Anderson. Good morning. Good morning. First morning hasn't rained for a while, I think. <laughs> First lesson this morning comes from Acts 9th chapter, verses 1 through 20. Each of us has a story of meeting God's grace. Saul, later called Paul, was an ardent persecutor of all who followed the way of Christ. This reading recounts the story of his transformation beginning with an encounter with Jesus Christ on the way to Damascus. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus called Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, 
for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 30, and we shall read it together. I will exalt you, O Lord, because you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you restored me to health. You brought me up, O Lord, from the dead. You restored my life as I was going down to the grave. Sing praise to the Lord, all you faithful. Give thanks in holy remembrance. God's wrath is short. God's favor lasts a long time. Weeping spends a night, but joy comes in the morning. While I felt secure, I said, I shall never be disturbed. You, Lord, with your favor made me as strong as the mountains. Then you hid your face, and I was filled with fear. I cried to you, O Lord. I pleaded with my Lord, saying, What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust Praise you or declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my wailing into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Therefore, my heart sings to you without ceasing. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. The epistle reading this morning comes from Revelation 5th chapter, 11th through 14th verses. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, singing with full voice. Worthy is a lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in the heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 21st chapter beginning with the first verse. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. After he appeared to his followers in Jerusalem, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. 
And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. They were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to him, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The Gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. And let us pray. Gracious and wonderful God, we love you, we praise you, we give you thanks. We thank you, dear Lord, for all that you have done for us. We thank you so much for the grace that you have showed us through your passion, your death on a cross, your empty tomb, and your glorious resurrection. We ask, dear Lord, to be with us this day. Fill us with your dancing joy that we may leave this place proclaiming your grace and your love. 
We ask, dear Lord, to send your Holy Spirit upon me that I may preach your word truthfully and faithfully. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You'll have to pardon me because if you ever played a reed instrument, you know how finicky the reeds can be. And that's nothing against the reed family. Um, <laughs> friend of mine, uh, who was our son's clarinet instructor down in uh, Wharton, Texas, uh, his name was Don Reed, and so it seemed like he was destined to be a, a Reed player, whether it was clarinet, sax, what you name it. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system, by the way. <laughs> See what I mean? It is not in the proper so we have to make minor adjustments here. I hope this doesn't take all morning. <laughs> that wasn't it, by the way. God the praise because practice didn't always go that smoothly, let me put it that way. Uh, I love uh, Aaron Copeland and, uh, oh by the way, uh, just to get it on record, uh, that cost my parents about $5,000. Um, uh, I don't think they got their money's worth, but uh, be that as it way. Uh, in the immortal words of uh, Toby Keith, uh, I'm not as good as I once was, uh, you know, in that regard. Anyway, I love Aaron Copeland, and Appalachian Spring may be one of my favorite uh, pieces. And I always look forward to the clarinet solo where the shaker hymn, "'Tis a Gift to be Simple," is uh, played. And uh, it's the same tune uh, for a camp song that I think many of you are familiar with, and that is the Lord of the Dance. And that's what I think uh, is a wonderful way in which we can celebrate the season of Easter, especially on this third Sunday of Easter, because we have this wonderful Lord of the dance uh, who has uh, broken away uh, the bounds and chains of sin and death and has given us this wonderful, joyous victory. And so uh, there is that encouragement in that uh, camp song. Dance then wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance, said he. And so we are invited as a people of God to dance. Uh, and uh, I think of my daughter and also my wife, and uh, they really were gifted uh, and able to dance. Uh, and uh, our daughter uh, did a liturgical dance on Good Friday reflecting Psalm 22, not only of the passion of our Lord, but also leading us to the resurrection 
uh, for Easter. And uh, it is uh, this call to dance uh, that is uh, paramount for the psalmist this morning. Now, the psalmist, let's be uh, uh, frank, he was not there. Uh, He lived way before Jesus was born and rose from the dead. But this is the beauty of the living word of God because there is this wonderful encapsulation of uh, Jesus in this psalm. Uh, And you look at those first three verses, and there is just, uh, when we put our New Testament lenses on and looking at these words, uh, it seems to embody uh, what happened with Jesus, uh, that uh, his enemies did not triumph over him, uh, that his father had delivered him and lifted him up uh, from the pit and from the grave. Uh, And so there is this wonderful sense of resurrection that is there. And as you look through uh, Psalm 30, there is so many wonderful pairings of this wonderful reversal of fortune that uh, represents Lent and Easter, the cross and an empty tomb, uh, crucifixion and resurrection. And so there is this encapsulated joy that is there in the psalm. And uh, one of my favorite pairings of this reversal of fortune of the psalmist who was deeply ill, was facing a a very deadly disease, and God had saved him. Uh, There is then this also uh, sense of wonder and amazement. I love verse 11. You have turned my mourning. Uh, the ELW translates the Hebrew as wailing. Kind of same thing. Uh, you have turned my mourning into dancing. And uh, one of our favorite authors was Walt Wangren, uh, Jr. And he wrote a book uh, about, uh, and he used the verse from this psalm as the title of his book. Uh, and that was, God alone turns our mourning into dancing. And what I liked about this book, it was some of the insights that Wengren had, and that was looking at what death is. Now, the first thing that I think all of us uh, think of is a physical death, but Wengren expands that definition. It is death that is the cause of all sorrow on this earth, that death uh, is the breaking up of significant relationships on a permanent basis. So that when we look at our life, uh, we can point out some things that uh, have a certain degree of death. Uh, Health issues, for example. Uh, I know that when my wife uh, had spinal fusion surgery, uh, it was like a death because she could not do the things that she had done prior to the surgery. Uh, Retirement. Uh, we no longer have that same relationship, not only with that company, but with our co-workers. Uh, there is a, a death, uh, certainly, uh, when someone goes through a marital divorce. Uh, there is a death whenever uh, our house catches on fire. And even if you build the house to the same specifications and materials of the previous house, even on the same bit of land, it's not quite the same. There is a death of the memories that that house had uh, embodied. 
And so uh, when we look at then the passion of our Lord, uh, there is this sense of Jesus not only dying on the cross, but all these various deaths just within a few short hours of uh, what he is experiencing. So that there is death when Judas betrays him, when Peter denies him three times, when the disciples desert him, when uh, the uh, people shout for his crucifixion, for the Sanhedrin to go and uh, look for uh, uh, a means of a false witness to condemn him. Creation itself dies to Jesus and the sky turns black, you see. Uh, even that sense of becoming sin on the cross and unrecognizable by the Father, so much so uh, that Jesus feels God forsaken, maybe the worst kind of death uh, in one's life. And so Jesus goes through all these different deaths. Now you might uh, recall uh, an adage that goes something like this, um, you know, that a coward will face a thousand deaths, but the brave man only once. Well, if we look at death in a different way, that, that certainly isn't true. Uh, and so there is uh, this uh, sense of death uh, that permeates our lives when we stop and think about it. And that brings the good news, you see. Because Wangren observes that Resurrection is simply this, though I am absolutely certain that I will die, I live. Not by my own merit, not by my own uh, gain or anything else, but it is uh, this resurrection that comes uh, and gives me life as a gift from God. Resurrection is this joy that happens in spite of myself, in spite of death. And so this is kind of what's going on with the psalmist. He has beaten death at this point in his life, and he calls the congregation to celebrate. And uh, it is for us, too, as a congregation, to come and celebrate this wonderful victory, this joy that God offers us. We are called to dance for joy. Now, if you're like me, this can be a little bit threatening. Uh, as maybe some of you have heard, I have uh, made the statement, and it's an honest one, I have two middle feet. Because if I had two left feet, I'd be correct half the time. I'm not, you know, okay. I am a rotten dancer. And my wife really said, why did I bury a man who couldn't dance? Uh, and so I relate uh, to a character of uh, mine, favorite uh, show, uh, Babylon 5. It was Londo Malari. And he said something along these lines. My shoes are too tight, and I have forgotten how to dance. If you watched the show, you'd say, you know, that's not bad imitation. But anyway, um, but anyhow, be that as it may, think about that statement and in our lives. 
you know, in what ways are our shoes too tight? And have we forgotten how to dance in our lives? Do duties and obligations weigh more and bind us down and we can't dance? Are our schedules so tight that we can't even breathe, let alone take a breather? Are we so tied down with our electronics, which, and, and they're good and everything else, don't get me wrong here, but if we become so obsessed with them that we forget how to really be social, do we, as a result, forget how to be human? <coughs> and just start up a conversation on Facebook about politics and you'll see what I mean. Um, I think we have forgotten how to dance. Maybe because our shoes are too tight. And God calls us to dance even if we don't want to. Look at uh, our reading from Acts uh, this morning. Uh, we have Saul and Ananias. And they were reluctant dancers, but they danced anyway. Saul was breathing persecution on the church. And he was like public enemy number one of those who were following the way of Jesus Christ. God intervenes on that uh, road to Damascus. And Paul is changed. But he needed help. And that was from Ananias. Now, again, I love Ananias because in his prayer and dialogue with God, he is straight up with God. And I think that's, again, a wonderful thing whenever we are praying, is that we need to be straight up with God. And Ananias' reaction is, you really don't mean for me to go see Saul right on Straight Street, right? Not this guy. Let me jog your memory, God. Look at all the bad things he's been doing and all the persecutions and how many people he has jailed and had killed. You want me to go to him? Ananias says, yeah. God says, yes, Ananias. So that about sums it up. Ananias needed to be transformed from his uh, sense of prejudice and preconceived notions about Saul and go to him and be obedient to God's will. That's tough. And he did. And both Ananias and Saul were able to dance with joy in the good news. We see this also in the gospel this morning. We see the fishermen. Uh, and uh, uh, you might have experienced a, a day of fishing like this where they caught nothing, zip, zilch, nada, okay? It was so bad. How bad was it? Well, let me tell you. Uh, it was so bad that not even the big one got away, okay? They couldn't even say that. That's how bad it was. And so there's Jesus. Uh, they don't recognize the risen Lord. Uh, and uh, he says, okay, uh, put your net over on the other side. And they do. 
and they catch 153 fish. Again, there's this wonderful thing that we need to keep remember about God's transforming love and grace, that the extraordinary happens in the ordinary of our lives. And Peter is transformed and changed too. Remember, it was Peter who put his foot in his mouth and uh, uh, denied the Christ three times. And Jesus meets those denials and asks Peter to proclaim, do you love me? Again, I think of dance when I see these verses. Our daughter, in one of her uh, recitals, had this uh, music uh, to one of her choreography. And that was, do you love me? And if you recall that song, uh, it's, uh, that question is asked three times in the song with the kicker, now that I can dance. So uh, there is this opportunity for Peter once that question of do you love me is asked three times. Now Peter can dance. The good news in all these readings, especially in this season of Easter, uh, there is this blessing. Sometimes we think that we have to be perfect. We have to um, get it right. We have to be absolutely 100% correct. If anything that we should take away from the readings that we have heard on Easter Sunday, last Sunday, and today, is that God meets us. Not when we are at our best, not when we are perfect, but rather when we are struggling, rather when we have failed. It is Mary Magdalene who is mourning and weeping, and she is transformed in dancing joy. It is the disciples who are locked in fear, and they are transformed by God's shalom. It is Thomas who doubted and now uh, is given faith. It is uh, Saul and Ananias who are transformed and changed into what God is truly calling. It is Peter who denied the Christ and is in transformed by love. Today, whatever you might be experiencing in your lives, may your wailing and weeping be turned into dancing joy so that we too can add our voices to the choirs of angels that we heard in Revelation this morning, that we too may joyously sing and dance blessing and honor and glory and might be to God. And to this, all of God's children say, Amen. You just heard a very special sermon from Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church. 
We thank you for listening to the Shepherd Cast this week. If you are listening in the Northeast Ohio area, we invite you to join us for worship if you are able. Our services are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. You can learn more about our worship environment at our church by visiting sotvchurch.com worship. We are a church in service. If you wish to support our podcast, we hope you will support us by supporting our outreach. Whether the Spirit moves you to volunteer with one of our outreach programs, or you choose to contribute to the church in another way. One way you can support our church is through the Amazon Smile program, where the nonprofit of your choice can receive 0.5% of the purchase price of products sold while costing you nothing extra. You can get started by going to smile.amazon.com and searching for Shepherd of the Valley Evangelical Lutheran Church. Of course, we encourage you to keep up with our church at our website at sotvchurch.com. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SOTV Sandyville. We will be back with another message next week. Tune in then. Until then, we thank you for listening, and God bless.